The United States Supreme Court on Wednesday reversed a lower court ruling from 2021, instead deciding that Oklahoma can prosecute non-native Oklahomans who commit crimes against tribal members on tribal land. The court's decision overturns a previous ruling by the Oklahoma Court of Criminal Appeals that vacated the Tulsa County conviction of Victor Manuel Castro Huerta. Castro Huerta, a non-Native American, was convicted in 2017 of child neglect after his five-year-old stepdaughter, who was Native American, was found in terrible conditions. On this episode of Listen Frontier, I speak about the decision with KOSU Indigenous Affairs reporter Allison Herrera, as well as Ryan Leonard, who serves as special counsel for Native American Affairs to Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt. Okay, I am here now with Allison Herrera. Allison, obviously we've spoken before and worked together, but tell our listeners sort of who you are and your background. Um, I am Allison Herrera. I am KOSU's Indigenous Affairs reporter. And so you've been covering the McGirt decision and it's sort of the way that it's been handled in Oklahoma and all the different sort of avenues that it's gone. You've been covering that for a long time, so. Yeah, so I've been covering it for about two and a half years. Well, since when I first started in April of 2020, that was my, that was one of the reasons I came on was to cover, to really be able to cover the, the McGirt decision. Right, so you've seen all the different paths that it's sort of taken. And today, SCOTUS ruled on Correct me if I'm wrong, but basically a case where it had taken the ability to prosecute non-Native Americans who commit crimes against Native Americans on tribal land. Tell me a little bit more about that, because so, the state had been fighting that for a long time. The, the McGirt decision, for purposes of the Major Crimes Act, stated that the Muskogee Nation's reservation was never disestablished um, and said that so this changed the criminal prosecutorial landscape um, for the Muscogee Nation, then following the subsequent other five tribes, including the Quapaw Nation, the Seminole, the Cherokee, the Choctaw, and the Chickasaw. Um, and so the um, so that meant that that the federal government and the tribes now were able to prosecute major crimes. That meant, you know, like murder, k- kidnapping, uh, s- sexual assault, you know, crimes like bank robbery that occurred within reservation land. And so the state, you know, uh, had been, you know, was very disappointed in that ruling because that, that meant that that took the state out, out of the prosecutorial landscape. And what this ruling today in uh, the Victor Manuel Castro Huerta case is that it inserts the state's ability to be able to prosecute not not crimes committed by Indians against Indians in Indian country, but um, for purposes of what's known as the General Crimes Act for um, non-Native people who commit crimes against Native people within the reservation boundaries. So it, it reinserts the state in that um, back into the prosecutorial landscape there. And that's something I think, you know, when the state had filed um, their petitions to the Supreme Court, they submitted two questions. The first was an overturning of the McGirt ruling. And then the second was this question of, does the state have concurrent jurisdiction? And so when the Supreme Court granted the certificate, that's a granted cert or you know agreed to hear their petitions, it was on that second question. It was whether or not the state has concurrent jurisdiction. And so, you know, the, they put forth their briefs. The Castro Huerta uh, party put for, forth their briefs. You know, if um, Victor Manuel Castro Huerta is uh, a non-native um, 
citizen, a, a non-native person who uh, was was accused and convicted of um, of abusing his uh, his um, native stepdaughter. She is uh, Cherokee, living within the Cherokee Nation, and so that um, you know the Oklahoma uh, you know his conviction was overturned because the, you know, the, the appeals court, um, after he argued, he said that the state lacked jurisdiction over his case. Um, he, he had already pled guilty to federal charge, charges, then Oklahoma appealed the case to the Supreme Court, saying that the state should retain jurisdiction over him um, and all other non-Native defendants in crimes with Native victims. And so, you know, Oklahoma has been saying that there is a level of, uh, you know, in their dissent and in their petitions, excuse me, to, to the U.S. Supreme Court, they've been saying that there's this um, lawlessness, there is, um, you know, certain crime, you know, certain categories of crimes are going unpunished. That's a direct quote from Canon K. Shamagam's testimony, um, to Canon K. Shamagam's argument before the Supreme Court. And, you know, as I wrote in the Atlantic article, myself and Rebecca Nagel wrote in the Atlantic article, that, that th those numbers don't really add, add up. You know, we looked at, you know, numbers from 2019 to 2021 of cases that were picked up by the tribes and the federal government in comparison to the drop in cases from the counties affected by the McGirt decision and found that really the gap wasn't 18,000. It was like seven, 700 or something. And so I think like I've been getting a lot of reaction from tribal officials. I just talked to Attorney General Sarah Hill. And I think certainly one of the one of the um, the change that this decision makes is that now for the purposes of the Major Crimes Act, the state can assert authority, not just on reservation land, but on trust and restricted land. So it goes even further. And I think for tribes, that's a very dangerous precedent. Um, you know, that is seen as an encroachment, I think, on their sovereignty. Um, and so we'll have to see. And this doesn't just affect Oklahoma. So let's just remember that, that this, this decision affects not only Oklahoma, but all of the other states that have tribal nations within their state boundaries. Um, and so we're going to have to see, you know, one, one thing it, during the oral arguments before the Supreme Court is so, Justice Sonia Sotomayor said, you're, you know, are you gonna, you know, this would, she commented that this would be leaving um, all of the other 49 states with an unfunded mandate. And so, and Maggie Blackhawk, who I interviewed for a story I did about Public Law 280, she said, you know, the court, you know, it, rather than the state going through the process, like, you know, asking to be a public law 280 state, which means that they could enjoy some concurrent jurisdiction along with the tribes. Um, you know, trying to, you know, or, you know, working with the tribes to come up with a plan for, you know, how, what is this new McGirt landscape going to look like? They have gotten their ruling. They have just done it by judicial fiat. That That's what Maggie Blackhawk had said. And so I think, um, you know, I, I talked with Attorney General Hill and I asked her, well, so now what's what's the way forward now? Um, you know, I guess, and she said to me, she's hoping that now the state can find, you know, the state has, you know, pre prevailed in the nation's highest court. So now the question is, 
can the state lay that aside and start to work with the tribes on what this ruling looks like? You know, and I want to point out that this ruling does not overturn the McGirt decision. This ruling does not change McGirt. This ruling does not disestablish the reservations. Um, I think what it just, like I said before, it, cha- it, it inserts the state as a partner in criminal prosecutorial um, matters. So I want to ask, you talked about this a little bit with what you guys reported in your uh, Atlantic article about the, the the numbers that were being kicked around by the state and then sort of the numbers that you guys found. And I wondered, you know, since the original Court of Criminal Appeals ruling in this case, which I think was last year at some point, it seemed this has been in particular something that, that uh, Governor Stitt and the state has harped on almost more than the original you know, McGirt decision, you know, he's written about it in Washington or in the uh, Wall Street Journal, and he's been on Fox News talking about this ability, right, that the state, he's, he said, lost the ability to prosecute non-Native Americans who commit a crime against a Native American. Looking at the numbers that you guys found in the Atlantic that showed that the figures the state um, had been using were not entirely accurate, the state is going to look at this probably as a victory for them. And you said earlier that, you, that the tribes will probably feel that it's an encroachment on sovereignty. But in the greater landscape of how McGirt impacted the state, will this make a big difference? I, I guess we'll just have to read the tea leaves. I mean, I, I don't I don't really know, but I think to your point about the state being able to process the states saying that, you know, it's there, they they need to be the ones to protect native victims. Well, I guess I'm just gonna go back to the oral arguments and something that Justice Gorsuch said in that the state has never, the state has not done such a great, Justice Gorsuch pointed out, he talked about the Osage murders, you know, um, you know, in the 1920s. Uh, we can go back to what happened during the oil boom, not just in Tulsa, not just, you know, on the Osage Nation, Nation Reservation, but in Tulsa and in other parts of the state where the state failed to protect um, Indian victims of large graft and crime and stealing of their land, allotment land and stealing of their, of the, the, the money um, that they were, you know, that they were, that they had, um, had earned off of those, um, you know, off of, you know, mineral deposits and, um, you know, had become wealthy from. So I guess, what is the state I guess my question, and I think the tribe's question is, what is what is the state going to do? How is the state going to protect Native victims? And I also want to point out that this ruling doesn't change the reauthoriz- the current reauthorization of the Violence Against Women Act. Tribes still have the, pro- the, the authority to prosecute non-Native offenders when it comes to crimes like domestic, you know, they expanded the list of domestic violence, sexual assault, stalking. So the tribes still have that ability. And and I want to point out too that you know a, an offender could be facing three courts. I mean, I think you know it could be tribal, it could be federal, or it could be the state. Um, and you know, with I think you know governors, the governor has used a s- several sets of numbers when it comes to um, trying to talk about the number of cases that 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 this that that the McGirt ruling was affected. And you know, the the criminal appeals decision came down last year that said, you know what. Before 2020, before 2020, before July 9th of 2020, no case is available for um, 
post-conviction relief. And so that, you know, Stitt had been saying that there was like potentially like 75 to 100,000 cases that could be affected because of that OCCA, that, that ruling. Well, they shut that down. And so I think, you know, it's, it's not clear to me where the state gets their numbers for the, when they say, and when they say the number of cases that will be affected. And in fact, Kavanaugh cited that 18,000 number in his opinion. Um, and so I think, you know, as far as a PR campaign, you know, and, 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 their, and the state's ability to protect Native people, I guess we'll just have to see what that looks like. You know, I, I'm very curious now, you know, the, the tribes have cross-deputization agreements with state and, and local police. You know, um, it's a, it would be a good question now to go in and look and what does that look like? How does that relationship change? You know, um, does it change? Um, and, and like, what, what role are the tribal police going to have now? I just think that there's a lot, there's a lot of questions that I think need to be answered in the coming days and weeks. And, and we'll see how many cases the, the state does decide to pick up, you know? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, it's just another sort of avenue to follow, um, following the original decision. It's been interesting to see not only how, you know, it sort of impacted the state, but how everyone has treated it and handled it since the original decision and everything that sort of happened since. This state, this decision does, doesn't just affect Oklahoma. It, it affects states where there is a significant, significant tribal nation population and how they prosecute crimes. So it's a very, a very upending of legal Indian legal precedent. And I think I want to just read a very uh, a scathing re- repudiation of the majority's interpretation of Indian law history. After all the power to punish crimes by or against one's own citizens within one's own territory to the exclusion of other authorities is and has always been among among the most essential attributes of sovereignty. A lot of people are saying a lot of tribal advocates and legal experts are saying that this is a very like damaging ruling for tribal sovereignty. And A.G. Hill was like, you know, Attorney General of the Cherokee Nation said, this is not the darkest of days. We, this by far is not the darkest of days. We will pick up and we will have to just move on. Um, you know, to be fair here, I should probably read, uh, I just, uh, another statement from the U.S. Attorney's Office says, you know, the, the today's decision doesn't diminish the United States trust responsibility to our tribal partners. You know, so they're going to continue to, to prosecute those cases. So we'll just have to see what, what's going to happen. Yeah, like you said, we'll have to just keep our eyes on the ball and, and see what the fallout is. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Allison, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Dylan. Take care. Yep. Talk to you Bye. later. Bye. The ruling today um, is a big win, not only for the state of Oklahoma, but for public safety. It's a monumental ruling that affirms the state's sovereignty, uh, affirms the ability of the state to keep citizens safe um, throughout the state. It is a a monumental uh, ruling for the state. Yeah, I know the governor, you know, he put out a uh, press release today um, after the decision, you know, sort of saying the same thing. He called it, I think, a clear victory, um, you know, for all Oklahomans. And I I wanted to ask, you know, this this, um, specifically, the ability um, of the state to prosecute um, 
non-natives who may victimize a, a Native American um, seem to have taken on greater importance um, for the, you know, the governor and, and for the state. And since that ruling last year, uh, he, you know, he's talked about it quite often, sort of in the, in the vein of how um, possibly this ruling, I, I, you know, sort of described as it also negatively impacting Native Americans. You know, if the state can't prosecute you know, a non-native who victimizes a native, then, uh, you know, essentially uh, it's been talked about like a ruling that that, uh, hurts everyone. And I just wonder now that this, you know, that has been such a focus for the governor's office and now that SCOTUS has ruled on this, um, is this, uh, you know, enough for the state or will the state continue to try and get the original McGirt decision in front of the Supreme Court again and hope for a more favorable ruling? So this ruling does not resolve all of the issues uh, created by the McGirt decision. Um, this ruling does several things. Um, first, it affirms the state's jurisdiction to prosecute concurrent with the federal government non-Indians in eastern Oklahoma where there's an Indian victim. And McGirt called that into question. And that is approximately 25% of the McGirt-impacted crime. The remaining 75% um, involve crimes where you've got a Native American defendant. So uh, today's ruling addresses about 25% of the criminal um, conduct uh, at issue in McGirt, but so today's ruling affirms the, the state's ability to prosecute those non-Indians so we can keep everybody safe. Um, it also affirms that reservations are within state boundaries, and uh, the court went out of its way to reiterate that point several times. Um, reservations are not um, you know, some far-off territories. Reservations exist within the state. Um, and ruling also affirmed that absent um, specific federal preemption, the, retain, the, the state retains um, full jurisdiction um, over these issues and others. So the bottom line is this is a big win uh, for Oklahoma. It affirms the sovereignty of the state of Oklahoma, and it's a big win for public safety. Because you know, the, state, all- the, the state's ultimate interest is in keeping all Oklahomans safe, natives and non-natives alike. Right. And – you know, I, I think already I've seen um, some statements from uh, tribal officials sort of, uh, you know, I, I think trying to get a, a full understanding, you know, early in the morning about the impact of the ruling. But I've seen some people talk about it as being um, a sort of chipping away at, at tribal sovereignty in the state. Does the state look at it that way or how? what's the state's opinion on that? This ruling affirms the sovereignty of the, of the state of Oklahoma in eastern Oklahoma, um, affirms the ability of the state to keep all Oklahomans safe. Um, this ruling does not um, resolve all issues created by McGirt. Let's be clear about that. But this is a, a big step forward in the right direction that affirms that we are, in fact, one Oklahoma. Okay. Well, I appreciate the time. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye.